Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like-minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human-centered design. For more information, see this is hcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. You know, how we scale effectively, because it's very different when you're a scrappy startup with four or five designers to when you're a design team of 35. And actually, you know, the way you work needs to change. The way you structure the team needs to change. And yeah, I mean, I guess it has evolved a lot over the last few years. Hello and welcome to This Is HCD. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organizations to become more human-centered in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm the founder of This Is HCD. And if you like what we do at This Is HCD and want to help us, there's a few things you can do to get started. Number one, you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast right at this moment. It only takes a couple of minutes, but it's one of the most important things you can do and help others find the podcast as too, and every little helps. Number two, you can become a patron. You can get an ad-free stream of the podcast for as little as €1.66 per month. And also get a shout out as a thanks on the podcast too. Now there are other plans there if you want to really show your support, such as get a hoodie and get a t-shirt as well with an embroidered Design for Humans logo. All the money goes directly to editing, hosting and maintaining our website, which is now a repository for human-centered design goodness with over 220 episodes. Now, in this episode, I chat with one of the leaders in the content design space, Rachel McConnell. We chat about the work that they're doing at Flow Healthcare and touch on some of the work that they did whilst at Deliveroo. We chat about the learnings at Flow, where the organization is going through another iteration on how to connect the dots between product design, content design, and more. Rachel now finds herself in such an exciting position as design director with Flow that allows her to apply much of the knowledge within their second book titled Leading Content Design, published by the wonderful people at A Book Apart. We chat about the work that Rachel is doing also with Lead With Tempo, the conference that Rachel co-founded. Rachel was such a wonderful guest. We had such fun making this episode and I hope you enjoy it too. Let's jump in. Rachel, great to have you in the show. How's it going? Good, thank you. Yeah, not bad at all. Whereabouts in the UK are you? I am just outside Brighton. I'm sort of in a village that no one's ever heard of um, called Cowfold, which is about 20 minutes outside Brighton. Nice. Nice. Good part of the world. Um, what's the weather like over there today? It's actually quite nice today. It's quite sunny. It's quite mild, a bit windy. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't been outside all day, <laughs> which is really sad. My uh, my office is at the bottom of my garden, so I walk about six steps to my office and then six steps back to the house. <laughs> <laughs> my step count is pretty low sometimes <laughs> sometimes they have to check the pulse to make sure you're alive yeah. but look um you know we're going to be chatting today you're um now design director for flow health a um mm-hmm. a, a pretty cool product we've just been discussing beforehand um that really focuses on the the biometrics is it and the, the metrics for the uh, what does it say here? The better uh, a better future for female health by helping our users harness the power of their body signals. So, yeah, I think that's a, a really long-winded <laughs> way of saying it helps people understand their hormones. 
pretty much um pretty much so you you recently promoted to design director um yes yep that's and right and what does the the role now entail well this is an it's it's interesting so um i'm pretty much starting from scratch in terms of the design team because until i came into this role 6 months ago all of our product designers and researchers reported directly into um product vps and there was just a completely flat structure. So I think when I started in my new role, I had something crazy like 22 direct reports. Nice. <laughs> um, so I've hired a head of research who's just started and taken on the research team. Uh, and I'm hiring other roles. So I'm creating structure and hierarchy for the team and, you know, putting all together, putting together the basics, I guess, uh, from right from role expectations through to hiring someone to build out our design system so we really are kind of starting from starting from nothing in terms of building that design culture um, at flow which is exciting but also you know quite challenging um, given the environment flow isn't a a a new business it's been around well well, i'm gonna guess here but eight years is it something around yes seven eight eight years years. yeah so it's interesting that they're probably going through their second or third iteration of how they design and how they how they create things. Is that, is that is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And it's about understanding, um, you know, how we scale effectively because it's very different when you're a scrappy startup with four or five designers mm-hmm. to when you're a, a design team of thirty five. Um, and actually, you know, things the way you work needs to change um the way you structure the team needs to change and yeah i mean i, I guess it has evolved a lot over the last few years i mean even even our research team a year ago we had one researcher and now we've got a team of nine so right. you know it's come on a very long way in a very short space of time but in the history of the company you know the the team we have now in terms of kind of user centered disciplines like content design for example have only existed in the organization for for the last year so Mm. yeah it's about establishing new ways of working it's about building relations and I guess taking taking the company on a bit of a journey around what is design thinking and um, you know why it's even important to have researchers or content designers yeah I mean you yourself it's interesting like you talk about the evolution of the organization when it's only been four or five years ago that you released your first book um and help me out with the title is why you need a content design why you need a content team and how to build one very very pragmatic guide on on how to implement that Mm. into the design kind of the typical design structure i'm doing air quotes here um and then your second book is, is leading the content design function within that team so you can see that it was almost like education about what content design is um, and selling it in. And then the second thing is leading it. So mm. you're pretty well placed to, to have this conversation today about how to build a design team, but also to introduce those kind of functions that typically some organizations may not have had. Um, well, where does content design yeah. currently with, with Flow? So we have... Um... Content design sits in my team, so we sit sort of side by side with product design. Uh, we're not quite at an equal ratio, so I think we have maybe one content designer to 
to every um, two product designers, um, which isn't isn't a bad ratio actually. Um, and we actually try to co-design and start, you know, right from the start of an initiative, we'll make sure that the content designers and product designers are in the same session so they've got the same context. Um, we've just started to use things like project canvases to get the team aligned. Mm. And then the in terms of um, moving into like concept development and ideation, it's quite interchangeable who could run those sessions. For example, you know, we have content designers who might run some content-led ideation or conversational design approaches. Equally, they might be able to run um, you know, sketching sessions with the team. So we we sort of embrace the blur, I guess, a little bit between yeah. the disciplines. And at times, you know, they will kind of converge and diverge and do the things that are specialist. So you've got one a ratio of of one to two or two, two to one, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, do you hire user experience designers? Is that term already kind of outdated then? So we have product designers. Um, in an ideal world, the product designer would be, you know, 50% UX, 50% UI. Um, I guess it's natural that most designers lean towards one end of yeah. the spectrum or have a preference in how they spend a lot of their time. And, you know, I've definitely found that through, I've been interviewing for a lot of roles over the last couple of months. Can't I've probably had hundreds of interviews um and and people do naturally have a leaning and i think it's genuinely genuinely quite difficult to find someone who can you know flex between and is happy to flex between both equally well so what what is really helpful when you have a content designer is a lot of content designers are from that ux background and are familiar with ux methodology and techniques so actually when you pair them up with someone who might be more on the kind of ui side it's quite a it's quite a good combination mm. they actually tend to work quite well together um and actually you know i think that's that's where the beauty of collaboration and multidiscipline teams comes in because you've got people who have all these like different skills but actually when they come together and and sort of blend those skills it doesn't really matter who's you know who's driving it as long as you're kind of getting the outcomes um, that you need it shouldn't really matter who's who's driving those different yeah. stages of the process it does feel that the ux designer role though has kind of become less and less um commonplace i think in in some of the organizations that i've spoken to recently and product design seems to be replacing that that term um that definition is that is that the same what you see or how do you see it yeah i mean i guess my view is that we're we're all essentially ux designers we're all designing the experience we're all designing the user experience whether we're you know whether we're titled as a a product designer or ui designer or a content designer whatever our titles are Mm -hmm. we're all doing ux and i think those methodologies translate into the roles and i i've worked with a lot of ux designers in the past and actually when i was first a content designer the first few years I was working really really closely with UX designers and picked up a lot of techniques and skills um, that you know I still use to this day Um, so I definitely think there is is still a need for that UX thinking and those practices and those methods Um, and you know even in some cases I would say if you're working on a a big strategic initiative Mm. 
where actually you need to do a lot of upfront thinking before you even get into sort of design work, then actually UX design is becomes much more important um, than, you know, if you're just kind of putting together a quick experiment, a low, you know, a quick low risk experiment to kind of put out the door, you know, so I think it depends on the type of project and the type of organization. Mm. Um, I think there's a role for it, but I do think that where you need to, where you're in a very fast paced environment, um, where you need to get things out quickly, actually, sometimes you, you just need people who are, who have a bit of UX thinking, but are actually more sort of delivery focused in terms of your prototyping and high fidelity design. So yeah, I really, I do think there's a, a role for it, but I think it depends on where you are and, and the nature of the work. Yeah, and no, absolutely. So content design, I mean, um, whenever Sarah Richards, Sarah Winters uh, wrote content design book i think it might have been 2016 um somewhere around the 2017 i don't know it all gets a bit blurry over the last six or seven years <laughs> um i remember reading that book at that time and kind of going yeah this makes sense ux is mm. you know missing this critical element where, where were you um in those years as well like and what role were you playing have you always been in um the content side of of design yeah, I was actually at the time the book came out, I was in my first content design role and building a team. And actually, um, uh, I, th- I don't think I was called, I can't, I can't even remember if I was called a content designer, but I was essentially in a, a digital team who in a big, large organization that were going through a lot of transformation mm. and were creating new web journeys, actually insurance journeys. Mm-hmm. And I was um, at the time creating content for their uh, kind of blog blog website, really writing articles and social managing social media accounts and that kind of thing. And I noticed that the designers and the at, at the time UX designers and UI designers were, and actually developers and product managers were creating all these form online forms and data capture journeys without any content experts. And I, I, you know, I sort of said, well, why are you writing the content around these things? This is, this is the work of a content expert. You know, you yeah. need to write with clarity. You need to write simply. You need to understand how mm-hmm. to communicate a really tricky concept in a word. And that isn't something that just anyone can do. Um, you know, it actually takes, takes, takes a longer time to write short copy than it does to write long copy. You know, it's actually really, really difficult. Sometimes you think one one word's easy. It's actually they're often the hardest things to write. So I kind of volunteered to to support that and help. And then before I knew it, I was across six product teams working on six different initiatives, um, which obviously wasn't sustainable. So I started to build a team and it was kind of around that time that that book came out. Um, and it actually was quite helpful because I was hiring content designers and I could be like, okay, well now, you know, this is a, a valid, this is a valid term. This is yeah. what content design is. This is why it's important. And actually that, that led me to write my book because it was, yeah. it was almost like the follow-up of what are the different content roles? How is a content strategist different from a content designer? How is a UX writer different from a content designer? We have all these terms. What does it mean? If I'm running a design team, what do I need to hire for? How should I structure that team? You know, and it's all these questions that I wish I'd sort of almost had that book at the time and could have handed to my 
then design director and said, this is why you need the team. This is how we should structure it. Um, and this is how we should hire for, for these roles. And that's the book, Why You Need a Content Design content design team and how to build one i mean like <laughs> yeah it's um it rolls off the tongue <laughs> uh, it, 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 it does what it says on the tin <laughs> it, it is exactly what it says in the tin and i mean you just answered your own question there really by by creating it for yourself and you wish you had it and that in itself mm. sure was um was very helpful to a lot of people um i think most people get what content design is and i, I remember at the time when I saw it, it, it felt like it it sort of um, covered over the gaps in the user experience design toolkit, I guess, if you want the bits where I'm like, oh, I've been writing content and I know. I'm yeah. So it's great to work with, with content designers. And I've been lucky enough to work alongside some really good content designers in, in my career. Um, so that book will definitely be very helpful, but I'm interested to see about, um, the evolution of content design and the second book that you wrote about leading content design. So Mm -hmm. my question to you is if you're leading content design, um, how is that different to leading design? I think there's some unique challenges that, um, content designers face and, there are some similar challenges, you know, like advocating for our roles and the value we bring to the organization and, you know, proving that value. But I think there's some really unique challenges in content because content itself is a bit of a broad term and yeah. it there's there's nuances between different content roles. And I think it can be very hard to help organizations understand um, those nuances but then also know how to work with them and so the difficulty a lot of um, content designers face and it's something you sort of mentioned yourself is that you know many organizations the designers are putting the content in yeah they don't probably really want to be because it's not their specialism but they don't have anyone else to to do it mm. um and they and actually sometimes ux designers actually do want to write the content and there's this level of control as well that you know designers have when when they're working with a product manager they can be completely accountable for the design process and the and the output um and the outcomes even and then when they start what trying you know when you try and start collaborating with them it's very very hard to kind of break into that because they're not used to it they don't know when to work with you when to involve you when not to involve you um so the biggest I think the biggest challenge that a lot of content designers face is they're put into an organization or they're hired into an organization that historically hasn't really had content designers they don't know how to work with them and they have designers who are quite um, kind of reticent and reluctant to give up, you know, the keys to the designs, yeah. you know, they don't want to share, you don't, they don't want to give people editing rights in Figma and they don't want to ideate together. And it's just, it's these sorts of challenges, which really, really, um, really are really hard to overcome. And I think the other, the other thing that is interesting with content design is it, it's the, it bridges the gap between a lot of places in the organization and the product so Mm. content crosses into brand it crosses into marketing it crosses Mm. into call centers all of the things we look at from a service design perspective all is all kind of hangs together through content you know do we tell our do we tell our users the same thing online as we do 
in our call center script? Are there breakpoints of, of, of content across the organization? And the content designer is in, in a role where, you know, they have to work with product, legal, localization teams, marketing teams, and kind of they're, they're almost like the linchpin in a sense of everything else that's going on in the organization from a content point of view, and then what our users end up seeing. So there's, there's complexities around um, working with other parts of the organization. There's complexities of working with stakeholders and going through, you know, sign off processes on content, which can be quite complex and challenging. Um, and, and often when you're responsible for that content, the, these are things that you almost need like a framework for to, to, to do it efficiently and effectively. Otherwise, you're just kind of coming up against the same the same blockers all the time. Which is a fantastic segue, folks, into the next section. That framework <laughs> that you're talking about, okay, is, was a question that I had for you. Like, so, you know, we've got the double diamond, okay, and I, I hate calling that out in this show because most people would be like rolling their eyes, the double diamond. But the, the <laughs> triple diamond, there's lots of different frameworks. And when you were talking there, the question around... um research okay and the level of of different zoom levels that you're researching at are going to derive different mm. insights based on on the language that's used um mm -hmm. versus the usability of, of a product versus like wayfinding whatever zoom level you're going to look at how have you found the introduction of content design into the processes and how has that reshaped the research process Actually, I found the biggest allies to content design are often researchers yeah. because we have skills that can really help them in their process. And actually, I do. I remember when I was at Deliveroo and I used to work really closely with the researcher. I used to help write the test scripts. I used yeah. to, you know, help prepare our interview materials. I, we used to co-facilitate um, guerrilla research with our riders as working on the rider app at the time. Can I just and then actually there for helping second. With... when you're writing those scripts, and I didn't mean to, to be so, so yep. you rude and stop you there, but, <laughs> but what kind of questions is a content design lead really looking to, to distill and get into? How, how do people describe things? What's the language they use? What's their level of comprehension? Mm -hmm. Are they understanding what, we're telling them in the product how are they how are they interpreting the information yeah. and i think like that's that's often um you know something that we might pick up through user testing for example when we when we're observing like behavior and we're we're observing um how people interact with the content we might pick up on oh they didn't understand it but actually from a when you've got a content expert in the room they can say okay, I've got a hypothesis around how we could make this Improve. easy to understand. You can actually even, you know, if you've had three or four participants who've all got stuck on the same thing, change it for the next one and see if it helps. You know, you can do it there and then you, you can see really quick improvements. I think even like from concept development though or testing like early concepts, just getting that proposition right, just getting that value proposition right for for a concept makes all the difference between whether people will respond positively or negatively to it. And, you know, content designers can really help with that because they're experts in shaping the content around the, yeah. the, the outcomes that the user's trying to achieve. So even at early kind of concept test stage, I think you can get a lot of value from, from getting your content designs and product naming. That is a huge one. 
where content design skills are often overlooked. And what will happen is the organization will decide to name a feature or product. Mm. And they're like, oh, it's just internal. It's not going to go, you know, it's not going to go out to users. And then before you know it, the name is just stuck. And then they're launching this feature with a God awful abstract name that no one understands. It's like, get your content designers involved. That's what they're there for. I know. It's interesting because um, I don't know where where it's come from, but some teams that I've, I've coached believe that the researchers look after the research piece, okay, and they they inherit uh, the findings and they take those findings and they they kind of like mm. move with it forward downstream if you want. But whenever I'm teaching um, any of the design research stuff, um, the the co creation of a research proposal with as many people involved as possible to really define the research question is one of the most valuable things you can do because it, mm. it avoids you from getting into a bottleneck further downstream where they're like, well, I didn't sign off on that. So yeah. by using that approach and having content designers involved at the content research proposal, um, sorry, stage, is one way to really um, avoid that, I guess. Is that, is that something you see? Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, we used to get the whole team involved in um, defining research objectives, like what are the things we were all trying to find out? And then you can understand, okay, what what's what what are the key things that this team needs to know about the users before yeah. we can proceed? And sure, some of it will be, you know, product based, some of it will be about content, uh, some of it might be about behavior. Um, and I, I think like if you're all aligned on the the priorities when you create when you know, when you create that research brief. It does really help. It also helps just engage everyone. I mean, we used to take our engineers along to research sessions at Deliveroo, and they were the most user-centric engineers I've ever worked with because they were part of that process and they were invested in how our users were were um, interacting with the app. And I've never seen that anywhere else, so just that level of, of dedication from every single discipline into to getting closer to users and understanding user needs. Yeah, D- Deliveroo is a, probably a really interesting case study, I'm sure, for for content design because, um, as I mentioned to you before, and I'm, I'm writing a a module in in a course that I'm writing at the moment, and the time sensitivity. Tell me if I'm wrong here now because I do a disclaimer in my course that I'm like I'm not going to work for Deliveroo, but um, the time sensitivity when you open up your Deliveroo app you're getting in the way of one of the biggest blockers in my brain. And that is hunger. <laughs> hunger gets in the way. I'm like, if anything is to interrupt that flow, I'm most likely going to throw the phone against the wall. So yeah. is that, was that one of your findings as well? Like it's a really sensitive um, kind of process that you need to be aware of. Yeah, it's also really t- time sensitive from a rider point of view because mm. they want to do as many deliveries in a, is in an hour as they can because that's where the money is, right? So yeah. any any tiny thing um, that that uses you know seconds of their time contributes to a slower delivery and and less deliveries an hour. So um, yeah. yeah, time was definitely a huge huge issue for both riders, customers, and and restaurants because obviously the food needs to be picked up. At a particular time because if it sits there and gets cold then customers no aren't happy wants. yeah but then you don't want someone there early you don't want your riders kind of hanging Same around way. clogging up the restaurant so um from kind of all three user perspectives time was definitely uh yeah. you know, a huge factor in everything we did 
I'm not saying it was me, but somebody told me that McDonald's, um, where maybe it was me, um, were, were automatically triggering whenever the order went through, they were automatically triggering to the driver that the food was ready. And as a result, the delight, the, the riders were sitting outside waiting. Um, <laughs> they, they were trying to make sure that the, the food was going to get there hot, but in the end it came back and bit them on the bum. I don't know if you have any experience in, in that, in, in sort of ensuring that the sincerity of the trigger to call the rider is, um, is so important because it's, it's a really, from a service design perspective, it's, it's orchestration at its very best. Yeah. The logistics behind it are, are crazy. Um, I do remember like one of the things that we we had to try and combat was actually riders being too early at the restaurant because if they're too early, they're just hanging around. Yeah. Um, and actually, if they check in and say, if they also check in and say that they're there, but they're not there because they want the food to be ready, then yeah. that upsets the restaurants because then they get the food ready and the rider's not there. So a three-sided product is um, really interesting to work on because you've just got all of those different um, conflicting conflicting priorities yeah and i mean i mentioned there like that i get hungry but i also get very hangry and (laughs) whenever i i'm watching that little um that little figure on the map getting closer to my house i'm i am the person who's standing at the end of my path my my drive (laughs) and i notice in the last six months there's this emergence of a pattern where the rider obviously has an option to say i'm outside can you come and meet me um Mm. when, when in effect they're they're probably about two or 300 meters away. So there's, there's always work to be done. I'm sure in, in that balancing of the three different stakeholders working congruently at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's the same is for any product. Your users are always going to find a way to play the system. Yeah, you do. <laughs> absolutely. Like, you know, um, so the book leading content design, it's, it's on a book apart, probably maybe one of my favorite publishers, I'd say, um, you know, they've produced, a sensational array of incredible books over the years. Um, if you were to talk to somebody at a dinner party, Rachel, and I can already sense you getting on, oh, what's he going to ask next? Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you, what's the key takeaways in those books, in the, the leading content design book? What, what are the three things that someone's going to walk away with and say, you buy this book, you get these things? <laughs> I think like basically just having the, confidence to create the right conditions for their team to do their best work giving someone who might be new to leading a content team like even if they're not you know they might not be from a content background they might be a designer who suddenly found themselves leading content design Um, but understanding the common blockers and barriers for for a content team and and having the confidence to to kind of resolve them really and help the team work more effectively and efficiently so that would be the first one Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say also if you've got a new team or even an, an old team that, that oh not an old team like not full of old people but like <laughs> like me um, but like a team that's you know been around for a while and hasn't necessarily scaled with uh, common practice you know good foundations and common yeah. practices it, it will also help someone create common practices for the team and you know, repeatable, repeatable frameworks that the team can use as they scale. Um, And then another thing which is really key, and I think this is something that, again, transcends content design into sort of any discipline, but how to advocate for your discipline within an organization. Uh, I think this is not necessarily in tech companies, but I've worked in a lot of, you know, big 
old organizations where you sort of have a digital team and you're trying to transform an organization, but the organization has never been taught about these disciplines or, or even design thinking. And yeah. so a lot of the time you're sort of trying to take people on that journey with you and show them a different way of working and, and help them appreciate how you can help their them have more impact in their role or have help the company have more impact so it also has a lot of things around building advocacy and communities of practice which helps people again sort of keep those keep those um different content roles in an organization connected awesome well rachel is there anything else you wanted to give a shout out to on the podcast like maybe are you hiring at the moment or are you you're like yes i am I, I, you know, I'd love to give a shout out to uh, um, a community that I run. Um, in addition yep. to my day job, I run a community called Tempo for so, people that lead content teams or people that are aspiring to move into leadership roles in content. And mm-hmm. we have a conference in New York in March. Uh, we've got some really amazing speakers from content leadership, but also just from general design leadership. So. If anyone would like to join our community or find out more about the conference, if you go to leadwithtempo.com, um, you can find out everything you need to know there. That's awesome. I've just joined that as well. And I'll throw a link to that into the show notes. Um, that sounds like a really worthwhile piece. Uh, do you have to be a content designer to, to join or can you be someone who's on the periphery? Yeah, no, absolutely not. So I think it's uh, it's it's for anyone who, um, you know, you might be aspiring to lead te- uh, content teams or you might might be leading a content team but from a non-content background um yeah we're kind of pretty inclusive all right nice well i'll throw a link to that in the show notes and also um maybe will i put a link to your linkedin if anyone wants to follow up with you and ask questions and stay in touch yeah please do that would be great all right rachel listen thank you so much for giving me your energy your positivity your (laughs) general openness to answering some crazy ass questions um so thanks so much for your time today Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening.